This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. I'm Steve Dace. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Um, we have uh, a big show lined up for you today. We are looking forward to telling you about, after I tell you about our friends over at First Cup Coffee Company, Mark from Ohio sends in this note. I tried the John Hancock blend the other morning. Like Aaron, I consider coffee a food group. It was absolutely excellent. The smoothest cup of coffee I've ever had is what he told us. You can't beat that. What a great review. It's a Christian-owned Patriot coffee company that stands for the same values you do, and they make some hella coffee. Just ask Mark in Ohio. All right, shipped within days of being roasted with the roast date right there on the bag. Go to firstcup.com, use the code DACE, save an additional 10% on your order, and if you subscribe, you get an additional 10% for the life of the subscription. Again, firstcup.com, use the code DACE at firstcup.com. Also, two weeks from tomorrow, my next book drops. It is book two in my trilogy of children's books on America's Christian heritage. Book two, just in time for Easter. Why Easter? Jesus died for us so we can live forever. If you want to get your copy of this, there's the cover right there. Uh, If you want to get your copy of this book in time for Easter, you can pre-order right now at amazon.com. Pre-order right now at amazon.com. Why Easter? And you want to, if you want, if you're one of the few that uh, wants the book to be worth even less, than it is um, at sticker price by having me sign it for you. PremierCollectibles.com is where you can go slash why Easter. PremierCollectibles.com slash why Easter is where you can go. Only going to be 2,000 of those, so a very limited run of autographed editions at PremierCollectibles.com slash why Easter. All right, coming up on today's program at the bottom of the hour, he is keeping their heads ringing down in the state of Oklahoma. Um, we cannot wait to talk to the man, the superintendent of that state's going to join us here at the bottom of this hour. He is showing no quarter and we dig that about him. Uh, He'll be here at next, uh, next segment, next hour. Uh, our friend Tracy Beans has done uh, some extensive work into the, uh, the V-safe text notes that have been redacted. What's really in that program from the COVID vaccine. We're going to spend a good deal of next hour going through that and great detail try to get you as educated on this as absolutely possible who knows your your life literally or someone else's life may literally depend on it uh we will get to that coming up in the next hour of the show but before we get to any of those things let us begin as we always do with aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away 
What happened while we were away brought to you by $364 million. That's the amount of money a judge in New York is demanding Trump and his sons pay, claiming they fraudulently inflated their various properties as part of Trump's businesses in order to secure favorable bank loan terms. $364 million. Couple that with the other ridiculous judgment in the E. Jean Carroll defamation suit, and Trump is now approaching a half billion dollars owed to various entities just as a result of his trials in New York alone. Meanwhile, Politico published what would be considered a bombshell in a normal world. They obtained emails sent from Joe Biden's younger brother, Jim, to executives of a now-bankrupt rural health care startup in Florida. The business hired Jim Biden as an advisor despite having no experience in health care. The aforementioned emails show Biden's regular and overt advertisements about how his brother, then Vice President Joe, could be a benefit to their business. The Alabama State Supreme Court ruled late last week that human embryos are indeed human beings. The 7-2 decision in the state's highest court stemmed from the lawsuit LePage versus Mobile Infirmary Clinic Incorporated and allows parents of frozen embryos killed at an IVF clinic when an intruder tampered with an IVF freezer well, they can proceed with a wrongful death lawsuit against the clinic for alleged negligence. Hopefully that case sends reverberations elsewhere. Learning Chinese today. Today's lesson is the city of San Francisco. Here's Kelly Wong, who isn't an American citizen. Naturally, she was just appointed to serve on the San Francisco Election Commission. In case you're wondering, no, you did not stroke out. That's Kelly Wong, a non-citizen, serving in an official capacity on San Francisco's Election Commission and giving an interview right after her appointment in Chinese to what appears to be a Chinese television outlet. Learning Chinese today, Today's phrase is, what's the Chinese equivalent to a chef's kiss? Checking in on the southern border, here's Fox News just outside of Yucumba, California. Where are you from? Syria. Syria? Syria. Uh, what's your name? Milad. Where are you from? From Syria. Syria? Where are you from? I'm from Syria. 52, 100 years ago, young people of America would wake up to another fresh sunrise and dream about the future. I bet we'll have flying cars. I bet we'll cure cancer. We'll figure out the mysteries of cold fusion. Yeah. Anyway, here's Dick Levine. Hello, I'm Admiral Rachel Levine. This Black History Month, I'm pleased to partner with OMH in advancing better health through better understanding for black communities. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. We now head to Minnesota, where Alpha News reports that during a newly resurfaced interview from October of last year, former Minnesota Department of Health Chief Jan Malcolm made this stunning admission. I, I personally had a, you know, um, my doc reported a, I had a blood clot. Uh, didn't, not saying it was the vaccine, but it, it fit the criteria for uh, what should be reported. My doc reported it. I got a call from the CDC. That was in, when was that? Um, that was summer of 21. Um, and I just got a call about a month ago <laughs> from, from you know, somebody following up on it. So it's, I was both glad someone was following up and appalled that it was so long. So Minnesota's health chief during COVID and the rollout of the jabs admits herself she had a blood clot after getting the COVID jabs, and it was reported to VAERS. 
That's stunning in and of itself, but as Alpha News reports, Malcolm continued promoting mass jabbing of the mRNA shots and subsequent boosters. And finally, today is President's Day, or George Washington's birthday. In the diary of the Reverend Nathaniel Randolph Snowden, he recounts a conversation he allegedly had with one politician and Quaker named Isaac Potts. Potts claims to have been a witness to George Washington's prayer at Valley Forge during the Revolutionary War. Potts allegedly recounted two Snowden about the prayer, quote, such a prayer I never heard from the lips of man. I left him alone praying. I went home and told my wife I saw a sight and heard today what I never saw or heard before and just related to her what I had seen and heard and observed. We never thought a man could be a soldier and a Christian, but if there is one in the world, it's Washington. She also was astonished. We thought it was the cause of God and America could prevail. Any relevance today? Nah. And that's what happened while we were away. Don't make them like that anymore. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Hillsdale. Folks, we have a crisis in American education. And as a result, that's a national crisis for decades. Young people have not been properly taught about our American heritage, like what you just heard from Aaron a moment ago. Or what my friends at Hillsdale just used to call what used to be called uh, civic education. Uh, The result, too many young Americans rejecting the principles of liberty. Americans between 18 and 30 years old are those most likely to reject patriotism, look on our founding fathers as villains, and support the removal of historical statues, including the gentleman, again, you just watched, George Washington. As a society, we have neglected this problem, and pretty much every other one, for far too long, but Hillsdale College has not. Hillsdale has been leading the way to promoting civic education, and this year, Hillsdale is producing 60-second radio spots called Constitution Minutes that are short, clear lessons on the principles of liberty. We're going to be featuring them here on the show. If you want to hear a Constitution Minute or share it with a young person you know, visit daceforhillsdale.com. That's daceforhillsdale.com. And while you're there, get a, reserve yourself a free copy, copy, pocket copy of the Constitution, courtesy of Hillsdale College. That's daceforhillsdale.com. Again, daceforhillsdale.com. And let us now go to Aaron's montage. Um, we'll take it here from the top. Uh, number one. What they are attempting to do to Donald Trump, I've said this many times, I'll say it again. What they're attempting to do to him in New York is one of the most un-American things I have ever seen. Is it, is it true that Donald Trump inf- inflated or deflated real estate values for his own uh, market purposes, um, tax purposes? Probably. It's probably true. It's also probably true that virtually every other person of means in New York City has done the exact same thing. The difference is not every other person of significant means in New York City that was doing the same thing managed to do so while being the the face and voice of people that the spirit of the age hates the most. So therefore, an example has to be made out of him. Let's... Let's make that perfectly clear. I mean, if, they, if we were going to have trials in Manhattan over what they've charged Trump with, okay, fine. He's probably done it. I mean, that's going to be your entire trial docket in Manhattan for the foreseeable future. Um, this is an attempt, again, to target him as a means of targeting you. That's what it's about. And that's always been Trump's most effective messaging. 
you know why? Because it's the most true. I, I, I really don't think politics and the truth are at odds. I think politicians and the truth are at odds. <laughs> I think that happens quite, quite, uh, quite often. I think Trump is a politician at, too often. Is it is it at odds with the truth? Accuse, wrongly accusing DeSantis of being locked down Ron and loving Fauci and uh, still promoting the jabs. But those are separate issues. What, is that what they put him on trial for in New York City? Mm, no. no. Those, weren't, those weren't any of the issues raised, were they? No. no. Instead, this is an issue that they could literally bring anybody of significant means in New York City, probably, and charge them with. So why make an example out of him? Because he's an example to them. He's an example of you. That's why. I mean, even trying to penalize the children from doing business. You know, this goes back when when Trump was wooing me to work for him and support him in his candidacy. And you and I, Todd, had some, you know, strategic private conversations about that at the time. Yep. And uh, one of the things that you and I came up with to propose to, uh, to the, then just Donald Trump, he was then just Mr. Trump, uh, one of the things that you and I came up with is what was going on in Oregon with Sweet Cakes by Melissa. Do you remember this? Of course. And this was when after, you know, we went from um, they're not uh, shutting down Christian businesses who won't bow the knee to the rainbow jihad to uh, th- they should be shutting down businesses. We hadn't gotten there yet, though. We were still in the denial phase. And that was one of the best things we did on the cruise campaign. That was the first event that I did as a member of the cruise campaign was we did a rally for religious liberty in Iowa. The entire national press corps had to come. We brought people in like Aaron and Melissa Klein from Sweet Cakes by Melissa. We flew them in from around the country. Kelvin Cochran, who was the fire chief, the black fire chief in Atlanta, who also was a national fire chief for the Obama administration. He lost his job for just handing out books in his private time for men's groups on sexual purity. He, they fired him for that, okay? Um, I mean, we, we brought all these people in and forced the, the National Press Corps to, to cover them because in 2015 and 16, they were pretending like these stories didn't exist. That's always the pattern with Marxists. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. And then once they can't keep the beach ball underwater anymore, then it becomes, well, it should be happening and more of it and you deserve it, okay? But they, they don't go there right away because if they start there, the, the blowback will be severe, Okay, so they start with denial, and then when they when they can't deny it any longer, then they will. Um, when the denial has outlived its usefulness, then they'll turn to, well, you had it coming. Okay, so we were not at that stage yet. And one of the things that you and I discussed, and I had these conversations with my wife. Those are really like the only two people I had any conversations about this with at the time, privately. You and my wife. And one of the things trying to figure out if it was even possible for me at the time from a biblical worldview to justify this. And you and I came up with the idea of why don't we offer, why don't we go to Trump? And we did, I did do this. It just went nowhere. Um, but um, go to Trump and tell him you're going to start, because they, they, they had raised all the fines from the city of Oregon or pretty close to the amount of money off of GoFundMe. It was pretty quick, actually. And then I think it was GoFundMe canceled them. Uh, for being bigots, of course. Right. And so we went to, we, we came up with the idea, and I did take it to Trump, it just went nowhere, of, of Trump establishing his own GoFundMe organization. And he'll make the first donation 
and it's the exact, it'll be the exact, Aaron and Melissa Klein will be his first clients, and the first donation that he will make to the Trump found to the Trump GoFundMe crowdfunding uh, app will be the exact amount of the fine that Aaron and Melissa Klein are facing in the state of Oregon. Do you remember these conversations that summer? Of course. And and the, the and the the now former president. This is how the, he he told me at the time he did not think he could take any positions on marriage, given his own private life. He just had no credibility on the issue. Basically, it's like, hey man, I've been divorced three times. I've been married and remarried three times. Not my issue. And to his credit, there was some self-awareness there. But the point that I tried to raise to him at the time was th- this is this is even it's th- there's very few issues bigger than marriage. But in terms of a social compact, how we live with one another, there might be an issue even more fundamental than that. Because if we're going to start saying now that not that you are using your product to weaponize against me politically, if you're doing that, then it's fair game, right? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. it's if you're if you're if you're using your service or product to weaponize against me with the purpose and intent of doing that, well, then it's fair game. You've entered into the arena. Okay. Um, and we've seen a lot of corporations since, you know, Windsor and, um, and, and the marriage decisions get into that game and actively now seek to target people like us. Right. Okay. But as long as you're not doing that, then, then it ought to be a pretty basic fundamental of American existence that we don't get in the way of someone else's love livelihood over politics. Meaning unless they've weaponized their livelihood to oppose me politically, they may have different views than me, but they haven't weaponized that livelihood against me. That should be, a, you know, there should be a, a, a mode around that. Because we start going after people's livelihoods, man. And at that point, I know it's trite now, but in 2015, the idea that the social compact could be broken was still very worrisome. Now we just all admit that it is, right? Yeah. And that was my point that I tried to make to him because he was being canceled all over the place. ESPN's canceling events at his, uh, you know, at his golf clubs. Um, he's, he's not, I mean, he was because of what he was saying on immigration, which all turned out to be true, of course. And the point I tried to make to him is this is more fundamental than marriage, sir. For you, it is. I mean, you're facing this right now. You're being targeted. Your livelihood's being targeted because of what you're saying politically. And you're not, you haven't weaponized your livelihood politically. They're weaponizing your livelihood against you politically. That's what happened to Aaron and Melissa Klein and Baron L. Stutzman in Washington State and so many others. That's exactly what they're doing to him now. They're weaponizing his livelihood against them, against him and his family. Everything we talked about that summer and warned about. He was just facing the nascent stages of then, but this is, you know, fully DEFCON 1 levels of weaponization now. Yes. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about San Francisco. Um, as Aaron put it, pointed out, it is a chef's kiss moment. It's the most on-brand thing you could imagine. Putting someone who is not legally eligible to vote on the election commission and is Chinese. I, I just, what do you even say that? I, there's, there's nothing you can say to that other than it just writes itself. It's it, so often today, the headlines come complete with their own analysis built in. There's not much else for people like me to say. So we just repeat the headline, tell you the facts and move on. Another similar story is the one out of Minnesota. And again, for those of you that are like, maybe they didn't know. Maybe these were uh, noble lies so that people would do the, the right thing and they didn't think they'd get them to do it on their own. Nope, 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 nope. Nothing noble happened here. Only evil. 
Nothing noble. Which is why heads should be swinging from trees. After a fair trial, of course, and I believe that's the longest pause I've had before throwing that disclaimer out there. In fact, can we add a word? After an ex- a couple of words. After an extremely speedy and fair trial, of course. Um, what do you do with this? Did you see? Did you see the graphic that you put up, Aaron? Or did the audience see your graphic that they put up? It talked about her selling this to children. Did you see that? One of the lines was in that graphic that you put up in your montage. Was going over how many children had taken these poison pokes and they needed to, you know, the implication being that they needed to have more of those in the arms of our kids. Meanwhile, meanwhile, this is Fannie Willis stuff. Actually, you know what? Now, Fannie Willis is more Gary Hart. I'm not cheating on my wife. Follow me. You won't find me with a mistress. So the media did and found it with Donna Rice. Remember that story when we were kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people should, what was the Fannie Willis? The people should know that their elected officials aren't sleeping with their subordinates. Um, Guy goes under oath and says, I was, I'm a subordinate Fannie Willis. Fannie Willis, we were sleeping together. Yeah. So there's that. But. And this, this woman, Jan Malcolm. She looks, her affect is the embodiment of Minnesota nice. And she's capable of this level of double think. Correct. She knew. She knew all along with the, she, she knew she was living with the risk of this. She said she experienced this in early 2021. Yeah, summer of 2021. She knew the whole time. She knew. Didn't share her story. Kept it quiet. And use the coercive power of government to put you, if you were in Minnesota, to put you at risk of being the next story after her the whole time. She knew. She knew. She should be on trial for her life right now. Right now. Let me repeat this for Media Matters. What was the woman's name? I want to make sure I get her name in the Jan clip. Malcolm. Jane Malcolm. Jan. Jan, thank you. Jan Malcolm should be on trial for her life right now, facing a tribunal for crimes against humanity. She knew. She had the most intimate knowledge of it all, of them all. Her own experience. She knew. Instead, she promoted these poisonous pokes. And advocated for you to stick them in the arms of your children instead. She knew. She knew. She wasn't blindsided. It wasn't, well, the data came out after the fact, and by that point, what's the point? Let's just all move on. No, 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 no. She knew. She knew in the summer of 21 at the time, in in, in the early fall when the Biden administration that year would issue its wicked and evil vaccine mandate. She knew. She knew. But she kept quiet anyway. At Nuremberg, there were a lot of people that claimed, well, I couldn't speak out. It wasn't safe. Well, I, I had no choice. I had to just follow orders. Do you guys remember we did all those people that claimed that? Oh, got hung. We hung them all. Every one of them. Their heads swung from trees. Every one of them. 
After a fair trial, of course. But we're not that people anymore. Case in point, the ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court. One of the things you have not heard me, and I've done how many shows and talks and, and columns on the judiciary and the rule of law and where the law comes from, how many, next to pro-life, I've done more probably on that topic than any other over the years. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. But you, you don't hear me talk about strict constructionist judges. Why? Let's go back to Nuremberg. There was a famous uh, judge there. He was in the movie Judgment at Nuremberg. He's portrayed by Burt Lancaster in the film. And at Nuremberg, um, he claimed, well, he's kind of an amalgamation of a couple of characters, but there's one in particular who it was the most prolific at this. Um, there were a couple of people who would find loopholes in the law to avoid sending Jews off to camps or, you know, gas chambers or arrest, okay? And they would, they would do everything they could. They could. They'd find every loophole they could, but then when they ran out of loopholes, they would then, you know, say, I'm, there's, my hands are tied, I got to follow the law. I'm a strict constructionist, of course. What do we do to Burt Lancaster's character at the end of Judgment at Nuremberg? What do we do to him? What did Spencer Tracy have done to him at the end of the film? Do you guys know? Huh? They hung him too. Yeah, they hung him too. And in the and there's a great scene in the film, if you've never seen it, where Spencer Tracy and him go back and forth as he's being led off to the to the gallows. And it's basically to to summarize it, Spencer Tracy is letting him know there was a higher law. There's a higher law. Thou shall not murder is a higher law. So Steve, does that mean this judge should have put himself at risk? Isn't that what we celebrate Oscar Schindler for? Isn't that what he did? Put himself at risk on behalf of the innocent? Yes. Isn't it, that's why we made a movie about him. That's why he's a, a household name decades after his death, because that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Yep. That's what Corey Dina Ten Boom. That's why we know who she is, right? She did the same thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because who are they emulating when you put your own life as a ransom for others that may or may not even be people you know, agree with, share a value system with? but because they're innocent and don't deserve to be murdered. Love knows no greater thing than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. It's the most Christ-like thing we could do. That right there. There's a higher law. Higher law. I used to have pro-life leaders come on my show all the time. Well, Steve, let's say, uh, let's say uh, a, a, a murderer breaks into your home and targets your three kids and you can't serve, save all three of them. These were questions from pro-life leaders. They would say this on my show. Uh, so how many, don't you just save as many of your kids as you can? I used to say, no, I don't. I throw myself at the, at the person trying to murder them and sacrifice myself for my three children instead. That's what Christ would do. That's what Christ did for me. I do that for them. I don't determine, I don't have a draft, a lottery. This isn't a Shirley Jackson novel. We're, the novel we're doing here is the Bible. I throw myself at the assailant as the leader of the home as the head of the home, just as Christ is the head of the church and, and, and all of the cosmos. And he threw himself on the cross. I throw myself on them so that my three kids have a chance to escape. I don't determine which one is more worthy to live. That's utilitarian pagan ethics. No, what we're looking for really are righteous judges. Because, you know, you can have all kinds of terrible, quote unquote, laws put into place by the legal authority of the time, but if they're unbiblical, 
if they're unrighteous, should we follow them? Should we strict? Should we just? Hey, that's that's the law. That's what we got to do. Should we do that? I mean, if they if they the Iowa legislature passes a law, it goes through both chambers. The governor signs it, so it followed the appropriate process, and it says. It says that you can shove a plunger up the rectum of totters and every day you want. Should they, and you appeal the decision, Todd. Should the judge just said, listen, man, rack him and stack him, brother. Assume the position. That's the law. Is that, is that what we should do? It would not have to come to that for me to not follow such a law. Yes, indeed. No, we want righteousness. What they did in that Alabama Supreme Court ruling was righteous. And they wrote something that is going to have to be dealt with now at a federal level. When is a person a person? Those are the kinds of arguments we used to have that we used to make. But we're not those people anymore. We're Jan Malcolm now. I can't speak up at the DEI hearing at work. I might lose my job. Well, you know, I... I, I, I'm sitting here on a Zoom call, so I guess I'll send my kid to school with his mask again today. We can't be bothered. We're Jan Malcolm instead. We know. We just can't be bothered for various reasons. Thank goodness for the Alabama State Supreme Court, and there are still some people in this world that can be bothered. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Um, a slight aside, but might I suggest that when we were more of a ostensibly more of a Christian nation and a lot of Christians told themselves that you could engage in a lab experiment where you'd freeze a bunch of embryos indefinitely, you might as not have been as pro-life as you thought you were, because if we do believe that these are human beings and they are, you start pulling on this thread and you have got decisions to make all over the place. Oh, you mean it worked, yeah. this one cuts both I, ways? IVF yeah. is, was deeply immoral all along. But when you started doing these things, and again, road to hell paved with good intentions. You wanted to have children. Well, to get one child, you had to freeze countless embryos. Bad idea all along. Our, as Jan Michelson used to say, our thinking has been stinking for a long time. Aaron, you want to chime in really quick? You want to leave it there? We'll leave it there. We'll come back. The scourge of Oklahoma. God bless him. Will join us next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You know, the weather is so nice right now in the Midwest, and it's going to get much nicer. I mean, we might be grilling out this weekend, guys. You see the weather? I grilled out this weekend. I mean... So did I. <laughs> it's supposed to be almost 70 I degrees know. next Monday. I know. My stuff's all put away for the winter. I'm going to have to get it out early, man, because 
This is insane, which means it's not too early to think about our friends at Fast Growing Trees. They're the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants. Over 2 million happy customers in the U.S. Amy and I went through their catalog over the weekend, picked out a couple of things for some uh, to lighten up or to brighten up the front porch here this spring and summer. Um, you can even grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants and more that they have available. Available. Uh, they curate thousands of these uh, so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. And you don't have to drive around in nurseries and big gardening centers and all that dirt and everything gets tracked into the back of your car. It's shipped right to your house with directions on what to do, all right? And they've got the best deals online, up to half off on select plants. And to listeners of our show, you get an additional 15% off when you use the code DACE at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve. Use the code DACE, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve. Use the code DACE for an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com. Well, he is fastly becoming one of the most hated men by all the right people, and he joins us now on the program. He is the superintendent, and according to Media Matters, he is uh, my stooge, stool pigeon, uh, who contacts me on an hourly basis to get uh, direct orders on how to perform and behave. I am his Vengali. His name is Ryan Walters, the superintendent of Oklahoma Schools. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Hey, very good. And yeah, I, I love that article. So they can just, uh, I'm sure they're watching now, so they can feel free to continue to connect the two of us. Appreciate all your work for the country and for conservatives. Thank you, brother. Same to you. What, Aaron, I always forget her name. Our show stenographer over there. Is Martha? it Abigail or Martha? Martha. Or, I think it's Martha Is it today. Martha? Yeah. All right. So, hey, Martha, shout out. Start writing. This is the part of the show <laughs> you've been waiting for. All right. All right. So um, what's happening in your state right now? And 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 more importantly... What have you seen since you went in there and started doing the stuff that people that listen to shows like this are like, if I ever won elected office, these are the things I would do. You're doing those things right now in a very red state, right? And so I would imagine there's, there's great applause. The leaders of the Republican Party are very excited. Uh, Fundraising is probably going through the roof. Donors just lining up to say, finally, the fulfillment of our party platform has arrived uh, to take back the, uh, the, the, the state of education from the statists and return it to the people. I'm, I'm guessing palm branches everywhere you go, Ryan, correct? So, yeah, fascinating. <laughs> so, again, luckily, I, I, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other the last few years, and I've obviously read your books, and, and you lay it out pretty well of what happened. So here in the state of Oklahoma, we've got universal school choice now. We have banned pornography in the classrooms. We are taking certificates from teachers who push critical race theory and transgenderism. We are running drag queens out of our schools. Yes, in a red state like Oklahoma, we had a drag queen running a school, hiring other drag queens. We are running them out. We're going to put the Ten Commandments into school and we're protecting prayer back in school. So these are all obviously, and we're getting the teachers union out, been very clear on that. They've got to go. We got to bring parents in and bring transparency. But again, your question is about the process and the response to it, which frankly is eye-opening and I think enlightening for folks in other red states. I have been criticized by Republicans across the state I've been criticized for some in the Christian community around the state who have asked me to tone it down, 
Please slow it down. We have got to have a more. I heard you guys saying a lot last week. Winsome, you know. You, you've got to, you know, you've got to walk this line. And, and and why are you going so aggressively? And, and to me, the party. So many in the party. So many in our churches do not understand what time it is. Hmm. And if we do not have success right here, this is a fight for. Is there absolute truth? It, it, or are we in a state of moral, moral relativism? Does Christianity play a role in the world today? These are the questions. This is where the battle lines have been drawn. And whether you like it or not, that is the war that we are in. And so when you see things like the arguments I've heard about, I mean, Ryan, I mean, a drag queen reading genderqueer, I mean, is that not the same as a as a teacher teaching about the Ten Commandments and prayer? And, and I go, no, it's not the same. I mean, yeah, th- this is the type of argument they've allowed in. And I've had so many say, well, I mean, you know, drag, you know, being inclusive. And this is people, again, look, we've got Democrats here. They they fight us on everything, like whatever, that, that's going to happen. My bigger concern is Republicans that continue to excuse this behavior. And the ultimate argument here is, listen, if there is no morality, if there is no absolute truth, how do you make these arguments and win as a movement, as conservatives, as Christians? And frankly, the answer to me is, if you can't draw stark lines in the sand, you can't. Hmm. You won't win. I'm glad that you just wrote off opposition from Democrats. No, you can't do that everywhere. You can in your state. In your state, they're just not relevant, at least for now. They're just not a relevant force statewide. So uh, producing their wailing and gnashing of teeth is presumably why you were put in that office to do. So well done, good and faithful servant. So the the question in a state like yours, and this is, this is you know, I just spoke to a group in Jefferson City, Missouri, and this question came up. It's, I said the same thing to them. It's something uh, we've harped on on this show quite a bit. My friend and colleague, Daniel Horowitz, was even ahead of me on harping on this. The number one political thing we have to to do right now is make red states red and i said this to a group ryan in nashville uh two weeks ago i said this to a group in jefferson city missouri last week last week again these are places where democrats are not viable opposition parties statewide in either one of these states and i said but you need to think more like california on inauguration day in 2017 when donald trump was inaugurated there were fewer democrats in elected office in america since before the great depression how did san francisco behave did san francisco get up and say well by golly i guess we can't just you know have subsidies for trainee drug addicts and give them hotel rooms and let them defecate on the sidewalks here anymore no They didn't change their way of life at all because the Republicans were in control in Washington, D.C. They they had so much control of the infrastructure in that community politically that it it stayed every bit as blue as it did on on that level, regardless of what happened up here at the meta level. And we need to start thinking like this in states like Oklahoma, for example. Otherwise, the ground is is, is sinking beneath our feet. It's shrinking. There's nowhere else to retreat to. I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and, and hey, the left knows what time it is. I mean, you, you see what they're doing. I mean, they are fighting for the soul of this country and are wanting to have when they win elections. Hey, they're moving. And when so many Republicans and I talk to voters all over our state and across the country, you know, so much of their frustration was, hey, we elect people and ask them to do things. And then four years, they run it back. Give me four more years to do it. Run it back. Give me four more years to do it. They are so sick and tired 
of the false promises, and to your point and Daniel's point, specifically in a red state. I use the comparison a lot between, look, this is a civil war that we're fighting here on these fronts. I love, again, you guys mention a lot, you know, Lincoln putting U.S. Grant in place and say, hey, it's because he fights. When we elect individuals, more than anything, you have got to find people that are willing to get up every day and fight and understand this is a battle that if lost, this country will not be the same anymore. And if you can't do this, I mean, our legislature is 80% Republicans in both the House and the Senate. We have a Republican governor. All of our statewides are elected are Republican. If you can't do this here, then why are people coming out and voting Republican? Mm-hmm. And, and that mm-hmm. is the clear message I've heard from folks all over our state. But this is frankly where we are moving as a country. Red states better start asking, acting like red states. And that doesn't mean, you know, just a sound bite here and there. That means real action. Uh, when we came in, we said the schools will turn around or we will shut schools down. Teachers will do this or they won't be teaching in the classroom anymore. Real consequences. And now we have one of the biggest the biggest district in the state that is in the middle of a huge academic turnaround because we ran out of woke superintendent. We put in place a superintendent actually believes that students can learn no matter their background and is pushing for academic success, have driven out the woke ideology, and we are moving. But you have to do this. We've attracted more conservative teachers in any other state. We continue to go out. We want conservative teachers here in the state. We don't want the teachers union in the state. We are crystal clear, and the results are coming. But but I'm telling you, the Republicans are going to be in for another wake-up call if we don't start running people who actually are running for office to do the thing rather than campaign on it and just throw a few sound bites, sound bites out there to get reelected. Well said. Cowardice is contagious, brother, but so is courage. So our, we've talked about the, 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 the spineless element and how it has reacted to you. And for people that don't know, by the way, I mean, Oklahoma is, you know, uh, Pentecostal Rome. Okay, I mean, I mean, literally, it is the it is the headquarters of the Pentecostal Church in America, is the state of Oklahoma. So, I mean, if, if, if so, when you hear people are like, I mean. And those are the kind of the Pentecostals are now are what the Southern Baptists used to be, basically. So when you're hearing Ryan say, I've got Christian leaders coming to me and telling me, hey, can we can we uh, do this at an acceptable pace here? You're 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 clearing out the uh, starry host and the uh, idols uh, to uh, to Pan and Molech from the temple. Yeah, you're going a little too fast. I mean, can we maybe do this, uh, you know, slow it down a little bit at a more manageable pace? But are you seeing courage being contagious as well? Are you seeing some elements that maybe prior to your ascendancy kind of lay dormant because they figured this wasn't going to go anywhere. We had no leadership. And now that you're out there, you know, leading the fight, are people coming alongside you and saying, hey, man, let's roll? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the faith community has really come alive. And I mean, as you know, we've got a lot of folks here in Oklahoma City, but Tulsa, Tulsa has a tremendous evangelical community who has really risen up um, to really help us win this fight uh, on this this radical left wing ideology. And we've seen it across the state. We're seeing Christian organizations, churches, church leaders that come and ascend upon the Capitol when we're in one of these fights. They come to my board meetings. We've had some uh, religious leaders uh, waiting outside at 3 a.m., to get into our board meeting at 9 a.m. to come speak, and they walk up to the podium and they go, we want to know, we want you to know, we 100% support what's going on here, and now we're going to the Capitol, I'm going to ask them to have your back. Mm. So we are seeing a tremendous support from uh, the religious community around the state. We're seeing Christians come up and say, yes, why haven't we been saying this, you know, why haven't we been doing this years ago? And so many times I tell them, guys, I mean, most of what I'm doing are things that you've demanded for for decades, but it is time for us to move forward, play offense. That's the thing I keep keep preaching on. Guys, 
It's not about playing defense. We're in a red state. We should be way out there in front and showing the nation how you move a red state to a true state that's based in our conservative Christian values. We are going to lead the country. We're going to show them what that looks like in education. You know, one of the things we've talked about, I've heard the left, they try to act like, well, why are we focused so much on what's being taught in our schools? It's one of the most important things we do is the content we provide. So we've been highlighting, you know, organizations like PragerU. Steve, we've ordered some of your books. We're going to be promoting them over the summer. We're going to be getting those into schools as well. Young people need to understand truth. They have to understand the history of this country. And so we are going to continue to play offense. We want our kids to understand the history of this country, the history of the American people in a way that they will go out and be good citizens and bring this country back on track. And we're going to show the nation how to do it here in Oklahoma. That's some praise the Lord, pass the ammunition kind of stuff right there. All right, Ryan, I've got, I've got about two minutes here. Someone in this audience right now is listening. They may already hold elected office or they want to do it for the first time. And they're like, all right, man, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to run through a wall. What advice recommendations would you give them to get started? First of all, I, I would tell them to get out, get out amongst the churches, get out with the congregations, talk to the people, be really clear. And this is the thing, the left hates it, and it tells you that you're right on track. Clearly let people know what is going on. When I came to a board meeting and showed the books in our schools, I mean, I had people going, oh, well, I mean, I can't believe you showed that stuff. I go, guys, we've got to wake up. There's so many people sitting at home that they hear a little bit about it, but hey, they need to see Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Be very clear, be very upfront, be very public, because the reality is, is we've got so many folks sitting at home that, well, we think it's kind of bad, but we're not sure. You've got to be really direct with it. So be very direct with people and then go out and be the aggressor. And I'm going to tell you, when you're out in front playing offense, you're going to get attacked left and right. It's going to be brutal. They're going to wake up every day on how to attack you. Well, you wake up every day and figure out how you're going to beat them and wake up every day with that mentality. (laughs) And to your point earlier, I've had folks from all over the state, frankly, from all over the country who have rallied to the work we're doing that send me letters, emails, text messages, come here from all across the country to say, thank you for what you're doing. We want to move to Oklahoma. We've seen families move here, teachers move here, some small businesses that have moved here and literally said, it's because of what we see in the school system. We want our kids, our families to be part of that community. But again, it takes getting out on front, playing offense, prayer, being involved in local congregations to have that support system and to be able to let them know what you're doing and why. And and again, um, that's how you get out in front of these things. And again, once you start having the victories, then again, you start get building, building more momentum. And that's what we're just getting started here. That was our first year in office. And the second year is going to be even bigger. You are doing the Lord's work, brother. Keep it up. All right. No wasted ammo. God bless you, man. Good to see you. I appreciate you, Steve, all your help, all your advice. Appreciate you very much. Thank you, Ryan. Same to you, man. Thank you. And again, for people that don't know, we don't get nefarious as a movie made without Ryan. Doesn't happen. I mean, we were completely ambushed by the uh, left-wing Hollywood unions and their attempt to take us out, take our movie out on behalf of the enemy. Without Ryan, we don't get that movie made. So uh, mad props to him. But uh, listening to that, you know what? Guys, a lot of this really comes down to, if you want to do what I do for a living, if you want to follow in Ryan's footsteps, I know it's going to sound trite. I mean, there's more to it. Can you articulate an agenda, right? Can you stick to an agenda? Can you manage people? Um, you know, can you raise the, the money necessary to be a candidate? But those are things that are kind of sunk cost with any enterprise or endeavor, okay? 
Each enterprise and endeavor has its own unique set of challenges. You can be a great athlete, for example. You can be a world class, you can be an Olympian, but I cannot hit a 97 mile an hour fastball thrown at me from 60 feet, six inches away. I can't do it. And so, because you may be a great athlete, but you don't have the skill for that sport. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So every, the, 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 every enterprise comes with its own unique challenges. If you want to get involved in the culture war, the unique challenge really comes down to this. I know it's going to seem trite, but can you put up with people who were never doing the right thing this entire time, will not support you for doing the right thing, and or you will likely never know or be on a first name basis with hating your guts. A lot of it really, a lot of people though can't. They cannot tolerate, hey, uh, bamboozled 43, uh, you know, with this Twitter egg is ripping me in my replies. I, a lot of people can't take it. Well, I mean, all the people that could have that did this job before me and sucked at it and didn't get anything done, they're really pissed off that I'm doing stuff that they could have done for the last 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people can't. But really, if you can put up with that, and, and, and then there's the basic fundamentals of any enterprise, and I just mentioned a few of them. But for this one uniquely, can you tolerate being hated by people who either let this country go to hell, are trying to take it there, or are too damn gutless to do something about it, or are just an anonymous bot? Go read Nehemiah 3 and 4. Yeah. That's you a put lot up of with this the business. Sand and Tobiah? Yes. That's a lot of this business, man. But you would be amazed how few people really can. Really can. And that's why we're here. Hour two is next. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you, and you can all, but hopefully not all at once, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's how you can email the show, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, get our Instagram, and TikTok. Speaking of Instagram, by the way, we are doing an, a 20 questions IG live tonight at Steve Day Show on Instagram at 7 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern in Instagram live 20 questions version. So if you want to log on to that tonight and get a question in, I uh, hope to see you there. Uh, you can also, if you dig the podcast version, leave us a five star review. Thanks to all of you that have done that. Please keep those coming. Maybe consider, I don't know, replicating that seven or eight times. We need all the help we can get. Uh, Also, if you don't like the show and you might be thinking that's why I haven't given you a five-star review, I totally respect that. We would never ask anybody uh, to bear false witness. Uh, If you kind of like the show, though, we would completely ask you to just exaggerate, right? So I like logging on there and seeing only one in five-star reviews. That's all I ever want to see, all right? There should be nothing in between. So either you love the show or you hate it, and that's how we feel about our own show. We can have a love-hate relationship with us and our own program. So we want the same for you, too. Thank you to all of you that also hit subscribe or follow if you're on iTunes. That way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Hillsdale. They know time is the one thing you're not making more of these days. That's why uh, they have put together up to, what is it, uh, 30, 40 free online courses Uh, that are huge in terms of just becoming a more discerning person. 
a more better informed patriot. Uh, the great works of literature, like, for example, there's a whole course on C.S. Lewis you can take. The meaning of the U.S. Constitution, history, a topic you might want to get pretty well versed on, given what's going on right now in the country, economics. You can study the early church and more. And all of these classes are free at Hillsdale right now. Self, they're, they're self-paced and fast and free so that you can become a more discerning person and better informed. The prophet says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Hillsdale wants to do something about that. Hillsdale.edu slash Steve is where you can go to sign up. Hillsdale.edu slash Steve. Again, Hillsdale.edu slash Steve. Joined by our good friend Tracy Beans over at Uncovered DC. Our intent this hour is to do, in light of the uh, case involving VSafe that uh, Tracy told us about a couple weeks ago, we have brought her back to do a deep dive on that case and get into the details and the facts. Uh, she has researched this stuff as well as just about anybody else I know has. And so we want to welcome her to the show. I think, Aaron, you have a very troubled look on your face. Yeah, up until the moment where you literally were introducing her, we had her, and then all of a sudden, Skype decided to crash. So I'm endeavoring to get her back real quick. I think she's back. Oh, she's back. There she is. I was keeping an eye on her the entire time up until your introduction. And right when you said, good friend Tracy Beans... She dropped out. The spirit of the age tried to stop Tracy from getting the, the truth out, but uh, we remain. Uh, we're inspired by Ryan Walters last hour. All right, so we're finishing the race. Good to see you again, Tracy. How are you? I'm really glad to be here, Steve and team. Thank you, guys. People need to know, by the way, this is your day off. You took the day off for President's Day from your normal show. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw that this morning on social media. So you are making a special exception for us to come in here today and discuss and break this down. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much. Oh, of course. You know, actually, I was planning on working today, Steve, but my dog was up all night long. And so as a mom of pets and children, I was forced to also endure that with him. (laughs) So that's why I just couldn't pull myself together for a show in the morning this morning. (laughs) Well, President's Day is as good excuse as any. All right. (laughs) Tracy's very serious about George Washington's birthday and everybody needs to know that. All right. All right. Let's get to it and and let's kind of set the stage here. I want this to be for members of this audience. My hope is that you know, between the you between the two of us, you and I have done as much research and, and stuff on this topic as people that aren't professionals in the medical field have, have maybe anywhere in, in the country, frankly. We're certainly somewhere on that list. And so my hope is that through this, this conversation this hour, we kind of give everybody kind of a one-stop shop of everything they need to know up until this point. All right. And and that they can refer back to as an evergreen moving forward. People email either one of us. Hey, we talked about this blank. Go here. Right. That's kind of my Mm -hmm. hope of what we accomplish here in this hour. So I want to take a step back. Our our audience is very aware of VAERS. We have talked about VSAFE some on the show. Uh, Daniel and I wrote a lot about it in Rise of the Fourth Reich. Okay, but even in a, within a lot of the media friendly to what you and I are going to discuss, it it's still not discussed nearly as much as VARES. Yet when it comes to COVID, VSafe is actually way more relevant uh, from a data standpoint. Ex- let's go. So let's start there. What is VSafe? Explain it to our audience, Tracy. 
So VSafe was an app that the government created to be able to track adverse events in response to the COVID-19 vaccines, which were novel, as we all know, a novel uh, medical product thrust upon the entire human race without adequate um, without adequate cr- clinical trials, in my opinion. Um, and so they created this app where people could self-report information. Now, remember, the people that were using this and downloaded it were the people that were super excited about the vaccine. They were not anti-vaccine people, obviously, because they were getting it and wanted to contribute to the pool of information that the government was supposed to then use to identify safety signals or issues with this as it rolled out to the public. That's it in a nutshell. Um, If you want to get into more technically what was available for users inside of the app, we can do that too. I do. I want to make sure we underline and don't bury the thesis or the lead here. This goes back, folks, to what we were just talking about last hour with the former Minnesota Health Director, Jan Malcolm, who was promoting these shots well into 2023, even for children in her job, and yet now tells us that in the summer of 21, she had an adverse event, a blood clot because of the COVID jab, because of the poison poke. That, so she knew all along from her own firsthand experience the potential dangers of this and yet promoted this stuff anyway. So no, the idea that they didn't know, that they were blindsided by this, not true. Epic Times has, 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 has gotten a hold via FOIA of emails where they were writing emails to each other in, this, in the spring of 21, warning about warning signals and who's going to write this stuff up and then these things just disappeared and we don't know whatever became of it. And so here you just had Tracy inform you that the CDC itself created its own unique app and its own unique data mining and sharing program specifically and only to follow the progress or problems with the COVID vaccines to take this because there's been a lot of critiques going back to, you know, when it was first created by people like Martin Koldorf and other, the VAERS system back in the early nineties, it's clunky. There's been studies that have shown it it suffers very, maybe underreported as much as 10 to one or a hundred to one over the years. So it's kind of unreliable. No one knows about it. So maybe this all got lost in there. No, 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 no. They created a unique information trail specifically for the COVID vaccine purposefully any idea that they didn't know about any of this stuff or what was truly going on when they were trying to coercively impose it on us via hundreds of millions of dollars of TV ads and every show or live event you watched for two years or in the case of the Biden administration you can't work at a corporation of significance without taking this jab any idea that they didn't know Tracy, we need to make sure the audience understands because this will, everything else we're going to talk about will fit into its proper context the rest of this hour if they can absorb this. They knew. They knew all along. They, they knew in real time all along. They were following this in real time all along, and yet they coercively tried to impose us with this anyway. You know, we have to look at the broader picture. Everything you just said is 100% true. If we take this as its own standalone, the topic we're going to talk about today, interwoven in the tapestry of events that's happening right now, Steve, we've got the COVID grand jury in Florida, which thank you so much. You did such a fantastic job covering that um, last week. You know, they're looking at this very same thing and they noted it in there as well. They knew then it wasn't a case of, oh, we didn't know. They knew then these things that we're talking about. And that's going to go along 
long way for accountability in terms of intent and other things. And that's what I think that they're focused on at this point. And then, you know, as aside from that, even VAERS with the safety signal that came from there and all of its shortfalls and shortcomings. There are so many little pieces that are coming in. There was a study released today um, that that shows, you know, I think I, I didn't read the study yet, but it was it was a direct connection between, um, you know, GM bar syndrome and, and, and a whole host of other autoimmune diseases and the and the, the vaccine. So, yes, they knew and they knew in real time, which is what we will be talking about today. How large was the V-safe sample? I've seen as many as 10 million people took part in this app for CDC. Is that number accurate? Um, yeah, I believe so. It's right around there. We have, I don't believe there have been an, an exact number of people in this first tranche of data, 390,000 entries were released, but it's important that people understand how it works because when you take an, a medical product of any kind, specifically vaccine, it typically they'll have a list of common adverse reactions, Steve, like headache, fever, chills, um, you know, uh, pain at the injection site and other things. They provided an opportunity for people who were filling out their real time ex experience to check those off and basically told people, don't worry if you have those, that's normal. Well, OK, we can argue that amongst one another. However, they also provided a text field in there where, where users could write in their own words what they were experiencing because it's a novel, it's a novel shot. You know, some people may not experience that box of symptoms. They might have something else happen. If they're truly looking for a problem, they'll allow some sort of a thing like that. They did. Now, ICANN, um, which is Dell Bigtree's uh, not-for-profit, sued for the actual checkbox data. The That's stuff the that Informed you could... Consent Action Network, by the way. Go ahead. Yes. Yes, that uh, that the Highwire is a, I guess, subsidiary of. That's my word. Um, I I wrote this piece for the Highwire. They're amazing people over there. Um, but they they sued for the actual, you know, check check boxes that you could click and stuff like that. They got that data. Um, and then they, they created a whole dashboard where people can go in uh, and change, you know, options and see where things lay. But they, they stopped short of getting this free text data. And then another organization in Texas sued for the free text data, which is what we're discussing today. And I would argue is is probably one of the most stunning things that I've had in front of me in a very long time. And we're going to get into some of that specific data. But did they ever intend to release this publicly? They said they wanted to. They said they were going to. But then they to. fought the, the public release of the data. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that the judge actually mentioned. Um, you you know, this was supposed to be available for the public so that they could see it. And now you're trying to hide it. Oh, it's too laborious to produce. I mean, you know, all of that. I think I was on here talking about this very lawsuit um, a month mm -hmm. ago when mm -hmm. we got the you know, the order. And so now they have to provide it. And the way that they're providing this information to the public, Steve, is in date of receipt. So there's in the first bit of data, the people that we're seeing now, these were the first things they said. Not all, but a lot of the entries are within the first 24 to 48 hours of actually receiving the vaccine. So it's important to keep that time frame in, in the front of, of your brain as we go through the exercise here. One last thing before we start getting into the specifics of what's inside there. What has been the media reporting of this? How has it been filtered? I mean, I, one of the things that just kind of 
blew my mind. I, I, you know, my assistant Todd over here is a uh, is an avowed quote unquote anti-vaxer, and I just I never had time to get into a lot of this stuff, man. My brain only has so much mega RAM, and there were just some topics I just didn't have any more uh, memory space to engage. And so I always kind of viewed these I always kind of viewed these people, frankly, as weird. But I always thought, well, I'm not really concerned that he doesn't have any vaccines because I took some. And if my vaccines worked, I mean, they shouldn't matter whether he's taking them or not. Make pretty common sense to me. So, you know, I didn't like we didn't like put Todd here in aluminum foil every cold and flu season every winter here in the Midwest because he wasn't vaccinated. I figured I took vaccines. I should be good. I mean, I kind of I guess I kind of bought the the propaganda of the common sense aspect of it. And what what kind of, you know, blew my mind going through this um, for the first time was how much they did not want to answer questions, how much to watch the media. I mean, you know, you and I are Gen Xers. We remember when, you know, the left-wing corporate media viewed itself as proud skeptics of corporate America, and uh, they wanted to ruin our water tables with their runoff, and they wanted to pollute our air and create acid rain when we were kids. Remember all this stuff? And now you just watch the New York Times and Washington Post just get press releases from Pfizer and Moderna and just rip and read like they're the sports information director at a major university just putting out, you know, the the program's spin without a critical question, Like, like no reporting. I mean, Pfizer reports the vaccine. 98% effect. No, they just report it. That's on the front page of every corporate legacy. This blew my mind to see this. I mean, I just, I never, I mean, I'm like, I, 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 where's the old corporate media skeptics of corporate America? I wish we had those reporters still from when I was a kid. And so a lot of this was really new to me. I know a lot of this was really new to even people in our audience who went through this and lived through this for the first time with COVID. So whether it's this story, whether it's Missouri v. Biden, what's the filter that's being presented to the public if the corporate media even addresses this stuff at all? They've just not even said anything about it, which is what they'll typically do when something is too too uh, overwhelming for them to refute. You know, we've we've had it ac- across the board here when we first started talking about the the potential dangers of this very early on in the process. Um and and they kind of were able to push back because there wasn't a, a big enough data set at that point. And still, you'll see even on social media there is a crew of bots or something that's writing community notes underneath almost every single vaccine tweet or post that goes up there. Um but people really don't believe it anymore. I mean, there are celebrities coming out and saying they've had bad experiences. And, and, you know, the thing about this, Steve, is that it's such a psychological thing for so many people. And that's the thing I internalize more than anything. There are people that, that basically forced their relatives into getting this for whatever reason. You can't see your grandkids. If you get it, you can't do this. You can't do that. Then there are employees, employers that forced their employees into it. Yes. You always had free will and a choice, but a lot of people were left with, either I get this and I can still feed my family or I'll be unemployed and I can't. And then there were the people that just gratuitously held them up on, on a pedestal without knowing literally anything. And no matter which one of those camps you're in, there's a psychological aspect of this that almost prevents you from accepting responsibility for it. Because to know that you were responsible for forcing someone to do this to themselves or be playing a role in that, uh, decision-making process for them is to admit guilt. And as you probably know, it's not easy for people to do that. So it's been a very interesting, you know, journey 
where the media has just chosen not to report on certain things that don't suit them. Um, and this is one of them so far. And sorry for that long winded answer, but no. I think it's an. I, I think it's I think it's vitally important for sure. All right, we're getting into some of the specifics here in a second, right after I tell you about our, our colleague Sarah Gonzalez and her new show here at The Blaze. And of course, you know, we used to have Sarah on uh, before COVID. And, you know, you and her, Todd, used to have your little secret uh, anti-vaxxer handshake conversations. We did. Where <laughs> it, felt, it, it sounded to me like, you know, you're playing records backwards, like Motley Crue records backwards. I didn't understand, you know, the lingo and the language you guys were talking. Okay. And, you know, now she texts me every day. I told you so. Okay. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is right up. So this is for you, Sarah. In the heart of this conversation, all right, I will mix in a promo for your new show. Uh, check it out right here. Uh, Sarah Gonzalez, Unfiltered. Uh, you can check out her Unfiltered YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, uh, Sarah is, uh, is a, as Todd likes to say, a really cool chick. So check out her new show, Sarah Gonzalez, unfiltered right here on The Blaze. Get it on YouTube and also subscribe to the podcast as well. All right, let's go through specifics here. And I did, there was a, there was, um, there was a Michigan State professor uh, back here to Tracy Beans. There was a Michigan State professor, Tracy, an economics professor, who did a study based off of the V-Safe data that was available in 2021. And and what he found is was about a 7% adverse event rate. Um, if you juxtaposed what was in the V-Safe data and extrapolated it out to the larger population that had taken a jab, about a 7% adverse event rate. Um if you put that number in perspective, and again, that was just the 2021 data, okay, first year. If you put that number in perspective, whenever we're dealing with pioneering technologies in the medical field, you always have to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the, is the cure worse than the disease, right? And because we're really talking about a risk reward ratio what is the risk because we don't know neither the long-term ramifications of exposure to a virus that was largely a, a chimeric concoction in a in a lab okay nor do we so it's an unnatural uh, virus of somewhere between questionable to malicious origin nor do we know the long-term exposure of getting this spike protein via the lipid nanoparticles injected into your system we don't so, well, yeah, I would argue, though, that most people walking around thought that that the fact that this was created in a lab was nonsense. Correct. So just keep that, that in, is, in that the, is you correct. know. Yeah. So I mean, when, when Todd and I went something... to, when Todd and I published and went on to be a number one bestseller, Fauci and Bargain, March 31st of 2021, we could still not publish that in the book without it getting banned in Amazon. Uh, it was like two weeks after the book came out that was it Vanity Fair did like the first article that kind of broke the seal something and, it was, like that, and yeah. suddenly it's now OK to discuss it. Yeah. So you're, that is a great point, which means that because we weren't able to discuss that, the, most people would have chosen the risk of the vaccine, not knowing what the true risk of the virus was because of its origin. And so it's seemed as if the virus was of way greater risk than the vaccine. That's a great point. If you do the math of this Michigan State professor's 7% adverse event rate, by the way, I, I think it was a Zogby and a Rasmussen poll, both of them did polls last year, that found about 7% of Americans thought that someone that they knew uh, either died or had a serious of, 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 of adverse event to the vaccine, which lines up almost exactly with what the V-safe data in the study from Michigan State said. But if you do the math and you look at what the IFR for COVID was, the infection fatality rate before we stratify for age or comorbidity just across the board. And when you look at the hospitalization rate, if you just went with those numbers, okay, what you came up with was 
and I did the math, what you came up with was um, a, a, a 300% higher likelihood that you would have an adverse event from the jab than be hospitalized for the virus and a 1,600% higher likelihood that you would have an adverse event from the jab than die from the virus. If anybody, anybody in their right mind, if they were presented that risk, ra- risk ratio, Tracy, would not have chosen the jab. They just wouldn't have. Right, which is... Right, which is why Texas is suing Pfizer right now, mm-hmm. because they misrepresented the, the, what you're saying specifically. Yes, um, it, it's it's terrible to think that, you know, the propaganda, legit old school classic definition propaganda that was laid upon the American people about this. Um, you know, forget thinking, thinking clearly about things. You know, when in history have we ever said we need the children to take some novel technology into their body to protect our 95-year-olds. Never. Yeah. It's stunning. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely stunning. And reading through these, um, I couldn't help but have this. It was really hard. Um, these are, you know, every entry, nobody knows each other, right? These are just individuals who went out and did their part. And they're writing down their experiences and they, you know what it reminded me of? Um, I forget the name of the movie with Jim Carrey and he plays God and he's getting all these prayers sent to him all Mm -hmm, at once. mm -hmm. I just felt like each one of these people was somebody out there sending some sort of a message out. Like I wanted to find everybody and hug them. I know I typically don't bring emotion like that to my work just because it makes it hard. But I I just was reading through all of this. I'm like, how could they continue getting all of this to allow this to go on? What kind of evil does it have to be? To this day, they're still, you know, promoting these things. The CDC had something last week. It's just pure evil, Steve. Mm. It's pure evil. There's no other explanation for it. It, It's not that they don't know. Correct. Of course they know. Correct. And, and, so and, they know, and no gen, no generation, no generation wants to admit that it's living in times when there is a slave trade, that it's living in times when um, there is uh, a Holocaust. No, no, no generation wants to accept that, uh, and and will put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off until there's there's no other explanation but that. But we're living through that. That's the human condition. We're, we're living through that right now. I mean, the, the amount of people, I, I think one of the reasons, just on a very basic level, Tracy, that beyond even the, the fact that neither both political parties' hands are so soiled in this, that since there's no way for one side to use it to an advantage against the other, no one wants to, get, no one wants to truly adjudicate it. Beyond that, there's an even more basic premise here. And, and that is... Um, Far more people were in on this than were than could afford slaves in the Confederate South. Far more average people were in on this than than the amount of average Germans that sent their Jewish neighbors off to camps and put them on trains. Meaning that there was there was enough of an element of people during those times whose conscience wasn't convicted by their own involvement or their own placation of of, of the atrocity that there were still a remnant of people that could stand up and say, um, we need to punish this evil so it never happens again. In this case, about 85 percent of American adults took at least one dose of this jab. And so the amount of people go ahead. 
we're seeing the the after effects of that come in now in yeah. in droves and waves. I personally have eight people that I've lost in my family who refuse to listen to what I was saying. Mm. And and that's, you know, I'm just a journalist, Steve. I'm not a doctor. Their doctors are telling them, take this, take this, take this. And, you know, we're seeing the numbers now. It's genocide. The, the, the numbers are so vast and so many people are having, you know, obviously turbo cancer, autoimmune disease, myocarditis. It is it is a a poison to the human body and created by evil, I would dare say, is is destroying the soul of humanity at the same time. It's it's unbelievably terrible. And seventy one percent of the world's population took at least one dose of the covid vaccine. Seventy one. Seventy one percent of eight plus billion. Seventy one percent. If the adverse event rate is seven percent. Let's let's say it's one percent. Let, let's say that's off by hundreds of percentage points and it's one percent. One percent of 71 billion or million, I should say, would be the worst human atrocity in the history of our species. There, there and would, we know that's true. There, there would be nothing to compare it to. And so I think, Tracy, frankly, that so many people are concerned. I took it. I had to just take it once. I had to get out of my house. I had to keep my job. They put so much pressure on me. I understand all of that. Believe me. And, and, but I think so many people did this and, and, and don't even want to consider that they're a, time, a ticking time bomb, that they just want to move on. That, that, and, yeah. and that's a bigger problem than the fact that, the, the, that both political parties want to just rerun all the same candidates that did this to us. We could get around that if the people were willing to to listen. But I think a lot of people are so afraid of, of finding out the truth about this that they just want to move on because ignorance is bliss. And I just hope I'm not one of those 7%. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's, you know, again, part of that psychological thing. I wouldn't. That's one of the things I think a lot of us who know what's going on here and really understand it have a hard time with when we speak to our relatives who have done this mm-hmm. and taken this, because how do you. Do you really want to tell them all this stuff? And then, you know, you're walking around terrified every day. You don't want to live in fear. And there's nothing you can really technically do about it yet. Even though there are protocols coming out where you can try and clean your body of this Mm -hmm. um, that some docs are coming up with. But in, in my position, do I tell them, listen, you need to worry about this? Or do I just say, well, they did it and move on. And it's, it's a rough human element to the entire story because next segment I wouldn't want to live in fear next segment we're going to go through the specifics of what's in the database we've got about a minute here give give our audience a tease give them a preview of what's to come I think we're going to do some searches and just use some choice words and and you know figure it not those kind of choice words <laughs> figure out what kind of you might want to use of- some of those choice words after we do this these searches but go ahead yes We're just trying, we're going to take a look through this real time with all of you guys out there in the audience to see what this data holds and what it looks like. And then you can come to your own conclusion about whether or not receiving this as the CDC, you would say, hold on a second, we've got a problem here. Or you'd continue on like nothing was happening for the next three years. That's what we'll do. That's a good hook. That's a really good tease. Let me give you one as well, folks. Prepared to be very disappointed and angry. More in a moment.
If you have been struggling for too long with chronic pain, we may have your solution. It's called Relief Factor. It is a drug-free supplement created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, but uh, they were concerned that, you know, even when they work, they might just mask the pain, and then they may come with side effects like drowsiness and other things as well. So what if there was a way to treat this naturally? And that's what Relief Factor aims to do. Go after the inflammation in your joints that is the cause, likely, of your chronic pain. Over the years, over 1 million people have tried the three-week quick start of Relief Factor, over a million. And over, well, right around 70% of them have stuck around because of the results they saw in three weeks or less. What do you have to lose for just 20 bucks to see if you don't see a difference in your pain in three weeks or less if you go to relieffactor.com? Just 20 bucks, the three-week quick start. See if it's the answer you've been searching for. Relieffactor.com is where you can go. Just 20 bucks for the three-week quick start at relieffactor.com. Also received this note from Mark Lopez. Um, And he points out, no one regrets not taking the shot. Mark's like, hey, all kinds of people regret taking it. Name one person who regrets not taking it. I think that's an excellent point, Tracy Beans. Welcome back from Uncovered DC. The There is no clamoring of people who regret not taking it. All the clamoring is from the people who regret that they did. I know. I, I rest my head on the pillow every night, um, thankful that I was able to shield my immediate family, my my husband, my kids, et cetera, from this. I, I told, you know, I said I would, they would have had to literally come and, and, and kill me to get through me to you to force you to do this. It would have been worth it to me because, and you know, I've heard stories of people even getting, you know, blood transfusion, Steve, at this point now and having issue. It's, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. And I know I don't regret it at all. I don't, I have never met anyone who, who regrets not taking it. Not one. Let's take about 10 minutes here. Then um, you sent me your spreadsheet. Uh, and again, this is from V safe. Just to reiterate quickly, um, about 300,000 entries here, and this is what people text or or people wrote in the text field to provide more detail just beyond uniformity, filling out bubbles. And this these are the specifics that CDC fought in court to not let you see. So you could just see kind of their summary of the report, but not the real things that real people were putting in their reports themselves. So what's the first thing you want us to search for here in the document, Tracy? Let's do heart rate. Do a tachycardia. Spell that for the audience so they can go along with it. And for <laughs> T-A- me too. T-A-C-H-Y. No, let me write it down. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a spelling bill. T- yes, T-A-C-H-Y-C-A-R-D-I-A. Tachycardia. All right. Find. I've got lots of things lit up here. So go ahead. Just choose one. Choose any one and read. Um, tachycardia. 30-second post-injection with dizziness, intense flushing, tachycardia, and hypertension. Trends toward uh, SOB resolving after five to six minutes. Do with the next one. Uh, the next one. Um Beginning 10 minutes post-injection. So again, this happens pretty quick. I had tachycardia, 
facial flushing, lightheaded, jittery. Two hours later, uh, heart rate was down to 90s, still have the other symptoms. Yeah, and you'll find this hundreds of times. You can do another. It, it's pretty terrifying. We'll, we'll go to another one in a second that is prevalent. Had COVID-19 March uh, and through June of 2020. History reactive airway disease. Today after vaccine had intermittent numbness of the hands, face, tongue, coordination issues, feeling drunk like after taking muscle relaxers, uh, mild tachycardia, and chest discomfort. Yeah, I mean... One other thing that I noticed was super prevalent in here, Steve, uh, metallic taste. Type the word metallic. Um, hordes of people saying that they have this weird metallic taste in their mouth that won't go away. Yep, I'm seeing that right now. Metallic, t- strange metallic taste, metallic taste, metallic taste in mouth about 45 minutes after shot lasted uh, a few hours. Here's metallic taste in mouth, metallic taste in mouth. This is a very common thing, by the way. This yeah. is this is everywhere. I had a metallic taste for a second after I got the injection later that day. My fingers on the hand of the arm I got the injection in went numb. That was my next lot. But it resolved quickly later that night and for the next few days, I had a spot on my back and on my tummy that was sore and extremely sensitive to touch, almost as if I'd gotten sunburned there. Why did you get a spot on our tummy? They they told us it stayed in your arm. And in fact, fact, if you you claimed otherwise on any major social media outlet until Elon Musk bought Twitter, you'd get banned for claiming that the, the shot doesn't stay in your arm, Tracy, as you well know. Yes, I do. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can put another interesting one. We'll go to numbness and tingling in a second or par- parasthia as I as it's been called by many. But type in tattoo, T-A-T-O-O. It's an interesting one. That is an interesting one. Uh, so just like like you got a tattoo, like at a tattoo parlor. Okay. Yeah, there are numerous people saying that it's affected their tattoos. Yeah, this is one I had not heard. Yes, yeah. there are several people in here claiming my tattoos itched. They were irritated, irritable, like when I first got them. Um, they discolorized. Um, metallic taste and the color of my tattoo is now gone. Um, took my tattoo color away. I mean, I, my tattoo became swollen and itchy. Now, I'm just a measly investigative journalist with access to this data, and I'm seeing some trends. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Do do numbness. Okay. We'll type in numbness now. And anyone can do this, and I encourage everybody to do this. If I would spell numbness correctly, my bad. Steve, that's N-U-M-B. I know. I I only (laughs) write for a living. Um, Strange, painful Charlie horse of inner legs with numbness uh, last night that lasted for 10 minutes. Um, Severe swelling from arm to neck to face with numbness as well as numbness in throat and tongue. That's a lot. That's another one that comes up quite a bit. Yes. Had to go to ER for, uh, for 16 hours after I took the vaccine for this, they said. Yep. Numbness in my hands after the shot, numbness and tingling in the arm. Now, keep in mind, these are symptoms often associated with having a heart attack, right? These are when you, if you feel, you know, pain or numbness or tingling going up your left arm, right? That, and and you, that was, that's one of the warnings of a cardiac event. And this is something that is very commonplace. This person said they had hand numbness that lasted for seven hours, is what they told and- us. 
my first thing that I think of is, again, this is right after Steve, right? So right after they get this, they're like in this app telling what they're feeling. What mm-hmm. happened to that person? So I'm trying to now match that ID that came with that entry, and I'm trying to keep a log so that I can cross-reference these folks moving forward and see if they get worse over time or if they stop inputting. Because if this is their initial reaction, I kind of shudder to think what happened six weeks later. I mean, here's a, um, here's a person, Tracy, that says they the chest pain and numbness in their left arm, and they had uh, tachycardia at the same time, and given all those symptoms... After the after the vaccine, the ER worked them up as if they were a heart attack patient. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, type in baby, Steve. Baby. Yeah. I have a seven-month-old baby that I breastfeed. He has a hundred and two point two degree fever today. I'm breastfeeding, and my baby got a rash on his left cheek and abdomen. May not be related at all to the vaccine, but I thought I would log it into the system. Breastfeeding baby became very fussy, but no rash or visible signs of reaction. Nursing my baby had a fever yesterday, approximately 27 hours post-vaccine. I am breastfeeding. The baby was sleepy yesterday, extremely cranky today. I am breastfeeding. My baby has not wanted to nurse since I received the vaccine. There's a lot. There is a lot. And part of me is, is so infuriated because how do you let mothers get this and then go home and nurse their babies and don't warn them about anything? This is something that nobody knew what was going to happen when it was, you know, dosed to the entire world's population. There's one in there that I have shared on my Twitter timeline or my ex timeline where the mom had to take her baby to the hospital, to the emergency room because of the reaction after uh, she breastfed. And a lot of what you see in here, too, as you read through these entries is uh, people saying, I don't know if this is related to the vaccine, but... I don't think this is related to the vaccine, but, and then what's happening to them? Almost as though they don't want to yeah. admit yeah. that. And that's why I keep stressing throughout this, this gracious gift of time you've given me today, that the human side of this is so important. Um, reading through this is like reading through somebody's diary. It's, it's really something. And I, I do encourage, again, it's freely available for everyone. Uh, what's another one that I came across? Can I say one more thing on the baby front that I, I, I was yeah. just clicking through the more of these as you were talking? And this is the one that upsets me maybe the most. Even Hidden within the subtlety is something very profound. A woman logged into the system just to say, I have a five-month-old baby I'm breastfeeding. Not sure if that should be mentioned or reported or not. Do you understand what the subtle, the subtle implication is there? No one bothered to communicate to her any potential risk to a baby, to a child. None yeah. of that. None of that. Yeah. So, so independent of that, her, she herself said, oh, wait, I'm breastfeeding my, my five-month-old. Is, is this okay? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, this... To me, that is like a Rosetta Stone for all the rest of these in here. Uh, that just goes to show how systemic the the lack of information was. And again, mm-hmm. it's and it's on purpose. None of this was yeah. an accident. None of this was. A hundred percent, yes. Um, 
to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look up. Um, there was a few that miscarried. Um, there was a, um, a few that uh, I wanted to take take a look at some anaphylaxis. There was a lot of that. That's that's a, for those of you that don't know. That's an allergic reaction, a severe allergic reaction. Like when when we had the the wasps in the studio last summer, I have anaphylactic reaction to a wasp to a bee sting. It could kill me without oh. without oh, no. like an adrenaline, you know, kind of a shot or you know an IV of Benadryl. an epipen. Yeah, or an epipen. An ep- right. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. There's a lot of people who went to the hospital. There's a lot of people who say that they were not going to go to the hospital. Then there's a, a ton of art of uh, entries of people whose arm that they received the injection site, uh, the injection in got so sore, they couldn't even lift their arm. Um, and it became that they had to stay home from work. A lot of people who said they were tired and, and couldn't even get out of bed. Um, somebody in there said that, that it, they had COVID, they had the Delta variant from what I could understand. And they would not even go back and get the second shot because this was so much worse than COVID was for them. Um, and, and just again, reading through, there are some in there that said no problems 24 hours after everything's fine. Not many, very few miscarriages. Uh, It miscarriages in here a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, miscarriage at six weeks on December 29th, first dose given to me on December 18th. Yeah. There's a lot. Miscarriages in here a lot. Go ahead, yep. Todd. Go ahead, Todd. They threw their babies in the volcano. It's the same thing. And this doesn't just have to do the level of denial. It, it, this is only possible if you start thinking outside of mRNA. It is a different technology. But the religion, the dogma, is vaccines in general, which is why I've told you. Just ask your average Christian if they had to put off one or the other, vaccinating their baby or baptizing. They'd choose baptizing. That's how cultish this is amongst people. These are the high priests. I, 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 I can't stress this enough. People think, and this is what they just can't, people think if we did not have all the regular childhood vaccines that we have, that it would be Armageddon. Mm-hmm. No, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. No, it wouldn't. I've got four children and a wife that are testimony to that. No, it wouldn't. But Tracy, we still believe that after all this. Tracy, we're running out of time. Where, 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 can, where can people go if they want to go through this information themselves? Where would you recommend they go? Um, you can go to the ICANN website and it's available there. The dashboard of the the pre-filled, uh, the pre-selected things you could choose from is there for you to sort through. And this data is available and will be available every single month until all of it's produced. And thank you for this. Seriously, this is important for people to really grasp and, and, and look through. You'll You'll feel it. If you have a heart, you'll feel it. You will. Yes, you will. Excellent work, Tracy. Thank you for the graciousness of your time today as well. All right. Take care and God bless. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks. You too. All right, gentlemen, I wanted to set aside a couple of minutes here at the end for each of you to chime in. Todd, Todd was over there uh, chomping at the bit and trying to jump the gun. So Aaron, I'll let you go first here. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but over the course of the last 15 minutes, that sound that you hear that's gotten louder and louder and louder in the background is vast swaths of even not left America singing their hymns louder and louder and louder and louder as that train just keeps rolling by. 
we're trying to move on so fast from this, even in righty America. Just get back to normal. Wake up. That's... How can you listen to that without having something pricked? If, if nothing, if you listen to that and you felt nothing, you got to check your soul. Hmm. That, that doctor in Minnesota, guarantee she got paid. You get paid. There are incentives for doing this. Why do they give it to children? As I told you last week, because if you don't give it to children, it can't be mandated as part of the normal cycle. This, but I hear another cycle, too much money, too much money. It's about the money. I, folks, I, I don't know how to tell you anymore that this thing called Western Civ in our modernity and all the bells and whistles, it's just as potentially wicked, if not more so, than all the voodoo that you look as backwards in third world countries now or back in history. You are just as much in thrall to nonsense and lies and wickedness and voodoo as ever before because you think you're so smart. You've been fooled, and you take that needle and you jab it into your baby. That's your religion. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, right here on Blaze TV. Until then, Romans 828. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.